Yeah, that sound means one thing. One thing, Anthony Smith. What are we doing here? Lead economist of Freight Waves. It is time once again for Freightonomics. Right. Zach Strickland, director of Freight Intelligence here at Freight Waves. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Uh, Can we have soundtrack noises? Yeah, I would love that. I, I want a little. We we used to have one. We used to have one. Yeah, the we, soundboard. Yeah, the soundboard. We could mix okay. stuff up with. It would okay. have been amazing. We'll but work on that. We'll get we'll get to that. But Freightonomics, the uh, podcast slash live show. If you're watching us at 2 p.m. Eastern time, Eastern daylight time, I might add. Uh, we're about to go back into standard here in a month or so. Uh, and you are of course watching. If you are watching live, feel free to comment on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn right now looking at the comments ready for all your hot takes in the comment section. Please do so, as well as, are you on Facebook as well? Facebook as well. Facebook as well. So feel free to do that. And welcome to Freightonomics, where we combine freight market intelligence with the macroeconomical environment. I just made up a word. Economical. Economical, macroeconomical <laughs> environment. Uh, and of course, uh, we are brought to you by Amazon Freight, our sponsor. Thank you to Amazon Freight. After years of fine-tuning their technology, working with trusted carrier partners and leveraging infrastructure to optimize their logistics, Amazon Freight is now offering shippers of all sizes the ability to tap into their network to optimize your business. Shipping full truckloads with Amazon Freight means reliable capacity, competitive rates, and instant quotes. If you're looking to ship or ready to haul, visit, visit freight.amazon.com to get started. And I can only imagine here in the next few months, that link is going to get worn out. Has to. Has to. <laughs> I mean. From every uh, direction. It is going to get torched. Uh, you know, the, the market itself right now, Anthony, still red hot, on fire. We thought things were settling down a little bit. They did not really take that much time to get back going again. We've got our tender rejection index back up over 26% today. Over 26? 26%. Were you not watching Freight Waves Now that comes on every day? What's Freight Waves Now? <laughs> is it Monday through Friday? Monday through Friday, uh, where we do give you the updates Anthony and I on a lot of different things, uh, but we get into a little bit more granular detail on that show for about five minutes to whatever you need to start your day if right. you are in the freight market. But on this show, we get a little bit more macro driven, a little higher level, but also focus on some more specific topics. Uh, some of those topics, of course, are covered on FreightWaves.com, such as some of our stories of the day uh, that we want to start out with. So this story right here, Anthony, was one that I found to be extremely interesting because of course it was data driven. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you know how I get about my, my data, 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 uh, you know, whichever I mean, one. it's cool, but you also have to look at what the people are feeling. What gets the people going? It matters. This is where this is where we we diverge, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but this is why he's on the show uh, to counterbalance my logic and reason with his nonsense and philosophical useless debates. Uh, we are on philosophy, <laughs> man. It's all philosophy. <laughs> we are, of course, talking about so uh, PPP money lowered freight rates during the pandemic's darkest days courtesy of Convoy doing this research. Uh, check this out on FreightWaves.com. John Kingston, I believe, wrote this article. John Kingston, of course, our very talented uh, oil market guy. And, you know, this is fascinating to me because they went through uh, a bunch of bids and, you know, research and said, okay, so these carriers got PPP loans and these carriers did not. And on average, the ones that got PPP loans 
bid 2.6% lower on average for, uh, for the freight uh, during April and May. So if, you got a le- if you've got a loan, you were a little bit more comfortable is what this is saying. So yeah. it's basically like, well, we're subsidizing freight rates at this point, right. the government was, uh, which to the detriment of the overall market, especially some of these carriers that didn't take the loan, uh, th- that's, that's actually a really pointed uh, observation. I think by uh, my convoy here, 2.6% lower uh, itself. What's your, what's your hot take on that, Anthony? I'm, I'm right there along with you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, with those PPP loans, I think it was definitely a, a, a subsidy of sorts. But I think early on, we were always under the impression that a lot of these are going to kind of prolong the lifespan of, I think, some smaller and midsize uh, uh, co- um, companies. And I think as we get towards the end of the year, as everything starts to expire, I think really the cream's going to rise to the top. And it kind of just prolonged, I think, a lot of poor business practices for many for many companies. And we'll start to see who was actually in good financial standing or financially healthy um, by the end of the year and going into 2021. Yeah, so the libertarian in me, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously is like, oh, look at the government doing this. But mm-hmm. you bring up a good point. In the long run, it doesn't matter. This was a short-term play anyway. Uh, yes, of course, it's going to extend the life cycle of some of these, uh, you know, more struggle, you know, operations that are struggling, uh, specifically coming out of 2019. And it all shakes out in the end, especially since this isn't something that is an ongoing process. Um, the next story of the day, again, written by the talented John Kingston. Uh, you can run fire. He is literally spitting fire on FreightWaves.com. Please go check him out. Uh, he also does run his own podcast, Drilling Deep, uh, concerning the oil markets. But uh, he's written this article basically targeting DART, saying that smaller trucking companies have already raised their rates for drivers uh, starting back in July and August. Yeah. Uh, DART, I don't know if you can call them a small trucking company by any means. They're a 2,000 truck operation. That, in my opinion, is a large trucking uh, company. But he does talk to a few other smaller trucking companies in this article. Uh, I think one had uh, 800 tr- uh, trucks in their fleet, et cetera. Again, it's not an apples, and he even states in here in the article, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison when you're talking about driver rates. Going to work for a, or haul for a reefer carrier is not the same as hauling for a drive, a predominantly dry van carrier, et cetera. So, um, but Schneider came out recently saying they are going to pay their drivers more. We've heard about some bonuses for drivers. Amazon has even come out offering team uh, bonuses uh, for peak season. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous yeah. amounts of money just to come and haul some of that Los Angeles freight that's been so booming right now. Um, so I think this is a fascinating article. I think this is something that you're going to see, th- regardless of what, how long you think that this uh, cycle is going to drive into 2021, this is an increased cost uh, that's going to be passed along into transportation rates. And the, you know, the big topic of today is just that, Anthony Smith, yeah. transportation rates. Yeah. And how about those bids? Yeah, many, many bids. <laughs> <laughs> many, many bids. Uh, there are, you know, pricing, of course, transportation costs, a big topic <laughs> around yeah. here. Of course, I'm a former pricing uh, person myself, working in the LTL space for a long time, but a, also financial analyst for a minute or two. Uh, so costs and money obviously make the world go round, uh, specifically transportation. And some of the, one of the trends that we're noticing here lately is, you know, with all this uncertainty 
that's going on in the world right now. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, next month, next year, etc. Uh, because of the COVID pandemic and the disruption that it's caused, uh, shippers are now issuing mini bids. Mini bids, of course, being uh, these out of cycle, uh, short term contract rates, if you will. So yeah. basically, larger shipper comes to carrier says, or shipper comes to carrier says, hey, we know that you guys are getting strained right now. We want to ensure that our we have a little bit more leverage to guarantee our capacity. We will pay you this much more for this amount of time, or maybe they just put it all the way out to bid for a 90-day period or a six-month period or whatever it is, but anything less than a 12-month cycle, uh, in my mind, is in that space of being a mini-bid. Yeah. And, and, and the reason that you do this, of course, is to not lock in, you know, you, right now we're looking at peak rates. Right. And you don't, you never, and negotiators obviously know, you never want to negotiate during peak. Yeah. Because you know that that's, as, you're going to pay a premium for a long term. You don't want to get out of cycle that way, et cetera. So they're locking in these mini bids for 90 days saying, hey, we need you to show up at our dock. Like we said in the beginning, outbound tender rejection rates, 26%. 26%. That's yeah. 20, that's a fourth, a quarter synonyms um, of, of the tenders that they're offering are being rejected by the carriers because they're based off 2019 rates right. or bids that were done when the freight market was ex was depressed, oversupplied, and now they can't they can barely manage their own network. It's just if somebody's saying, you know what, I'll pay you three uh, x to do the exact same job. What are you going to do, Anthony? Or exactly, <laughs> I know I will. Uh, so I mean, that's that's what's happening right now is that not just network strains and the inability to have that balance because we are seeing an excessive amount of freight coming out of some of these areas. We're seeing exaggerations like Los Angeles, the Los Angeles freight market blowing up this year, the port, the imports, because shippers caught wildly off guard. We've talked about this ad nauseum on most of our, our you know, channels here. Uh, but then there's the other side of things, Detroit, the Detroit market, lonely Detroit up there without an automotive production for a long time. And they're still struggling to get back going uh, very consumer-oriented market right now, a lot of backhaul. And then on top of that, you get up into Detroit, you can't get back out. Yeah. You know, it's a long way to Ohio. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, from what I'm hearing from some owner ops and some drivers that are on the road is that those that are being able, that are moving their trucks right now are really kind of booked up for the rest of the year. So they are really kind of have those plans already set in place and locked in. So their capacity is really tight right now. And also, just real quick, as I mentioned on the LinkedIn uh, chat right now, Brian Ritchie says, good afternoon, guys. Uh, Benedict Martin is here. Traffic's here. Excited for this episode. Brandon Ferroa says, what's the best advice you can give a 22-year-old with four years of freight logistics experience? Where is the hot zone on logistics? Kind of depends on what side of the market you're in, right? Bro yeah. uh, broker, shipper, carrier Your side. Technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Kiona D. Carter says, greetings, everybody. Hello, Kiona. Thanks for joining us. But yeah, we're, as I mentioned, we're live here on LinkedIn, so feel free to jump in. But definitely, I think we're looking at what's happening with drivers. I mean, capacity is tight right now. Well, we talked about it last week. Driver recruiting has been a, a significant issue here over the last couple of months. Uh, the driver school shut down. Mm -hmm. We've got new regulations in place. You know, this was a hot button item in January before the COVID stuff really started to kick off. Uh, you know, 
the recruiting piece is going to be an issue into 2021. Yeah. This is not going away anytime soon. There's no solution for that. That's why we're seeing these freight rate or these uh, driver pay rates go up so high. Um, we've got trucks sitting on the sidelines. So these class eight orders that are inching up, they're really, it still hasn't broken through the threshold of being simple replenishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the fleets turn over, they age, they want to keep their maintenance costs down. They turn them over. Uh, anyway, so it's not added capacity. Uh, you know, it is simply just a turnover uh, amount because they can't get these trucks seated. Well, this, th- again, back to the mini mid- bids thing, uh, as the supply side really doesn't ha- seem to be uh, growing like it did in 2017, 2018, these mini bids, they're going to have an impact on contracted rates in the short term. And we look at a few indexes uh, at freight waves that, you know, measure contracted freight, one being the cast uh, trucking uh, line haul rate. Uh, That's an index that cast puts out its truckload costs. It took a sharp turn up in the last month of August, in August. Uh, Again, a lot of contracted volume. They're a freight invoicing company. That's their main job. So there is a bit of a spot market influence in that index, but in general, it's a lot stickier and it looks like rates have been relatively flat until the last month or so. Um, again, contracted rates are an annual cycle. These mini bids are going to break them out of that cycle. Now, what it does is uh, it creates this uh, temporary inflation in trucking pricing or transportation pricing in general uh, that could last into, you know, it'll probably be throughout the fourth quarter. I would assume that most of these mini bids are going to cover at least the fourth quarter because you don't price, you know, you don't, you try to get, make sure that your capacity is covered. Your transportation cost itself, you know, six, 7% of your total uh, product value Mm -hmm. or total revenue that you get from your sales of your product. So you want to make sure that you make as much of that, (laughs) uh, you know, revenue as possible. And the higher the revenue, the more volume you produce, the lower that transportation exposure is. So they're going to be able to pay more money in the short term to guarantee that they have that inventory that's being sold. So carriers right now, obviously in power, if you look at our pricing power index that Kevin Hill and Andrew Cox uh, produce every week, uh, you'll see that carriers have been in control for a long time now, uh, at least two months, I guess a long time in our terms. Yeah. You know, I think (laughs) the, the influx of these mini bids are really kind of bringing, I always like to see more break points if that makes sense uh, in the marketplace, because I think that kind of brings more efficiency um, we're looking at overall interactions and transactions because, um, as you said, when you have those long-lasting, you, you don't secure these at the peak se- or peak rate or peak rates because you're going to be locked in and that's going to be inefficiency down the line and, and that's no good. But I think when you introduce these mini bids, that really kind of helps with more efficiency. Even if their uh, carriers are in control right now, they can uh, really kind of negotiate and maneuver in such a way that's much more efficient in the marketplace than what they would um, without them for yeah. sure. Exactly. Also, the one thing that, uh, you know, a lot of these companies are concerned about is guaranteeing capacity and service. If the if the inventory isn't on the shelves when the consumer gets there or when they get on Amazon Prime, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, if it's not there for, you know, within their one to two day window that they want it in, you're not going to make that revenue. Yeah. And so you're going to have that inventory sitting in a warehouse somewhere that it's not needed. Uh, so you're willing to pay a little bit more. And to them, it's incremental cost, especially right. when they're evaluating the environment we're in today. Right. I mean, you're, you're talking about trends. So what you're going to pay 10% more. Now, the big question I think on a lot of people's minds is 
how long does this persist into 2021, especially as some of these shippers may not have in, you know, done the mini, gone the mini bid route. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about your annual cycle. Some of these industries, obviously the retail ones probably have a lot of mini bids going out right. or rebids in some form or fashion, especially the brick and mortar stores. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how much impact that's going to have in the long run for some of these people that are going to continue with their 12 month cycle bids that are most of them come due uh, in the next couple of months. Right. Typically you get a bid September through December. It gets implemented in January through March of the next year. Um, and there is just a lot of uncertainty in the market on whether or not we're seeing, I, I don't think we're going to see 26% rejection rates in January. I don't think, I think we're, we'll definitely see some volume decline enough. Uh, but again, if we have a 15% rejection rate in January, that's still very high. Right. <laughs> that right. means that things are still, you know, last in 2019, the highest it got the whole year was just around 15%. And right now we're at 26%. So, you know, once January, the January blahs show up, you know, me and Kevin Hill, uh, used to discuss what do you do in January in transportation? Yeah, you make memes. <laughs> <laughs> look at look at uh, whatever internet access you have, uh, yeah. and you're at your desk. Uh, I don't think this January is going to be like that. I think there's going to be a lot of scrambling, figuring out. Okay, is everybody still quarantined? Yeah. Are they still spending money? Has Christmas ended? You know, mm -hmm. I think we're going to see some extended life into the peak season, just injected because of all these supply chain issues and, and things that we've had this year. And of course, returns are going to be a thing. Yeah. People sitting around and employment, employment, still definitely going to be a thing. But before we get to employment, we're just past the halfway mark and want to give a special shout out and a thanks to our sponsor, Amazon Freight, after years of fine tuning their technology, working with trusted carrier partners and leveraging infrastructure to optimize logistics. Amazon Freight is now offering shippers of all sizes the ability to tap into their network to optimize your business. Shipping full truckloads with Amazon Freight means more uh, means reliable capacity, competitive rates and instant quotes. If you're looking to ship or you're ready to haul, visit freight.amazon.com to get started. Well said. But the employment situation, that's the big hang up is, you know, we've got this 8%, 8.5% unemployment rate yes. looming. And it's really kind of stalled out, has it not? Um, yeah, it's, it's been very, very slow, I think. Um, even when we're looking at jobless claims, that's been stubbornly high overall. And we look at that week to week Thursday release. Um, there's been some modulating, I think, when we look at overall unemployment. Now, this is updated through August right now. I think it's going to get uh, updated again tomorrow through September, um, but when we look at unemployment, there were some slight variations through August where it's just like, you know, subtle increases in employment for temporary workers. I think some of that came from the Census Bureau when looking at uh, census being taken throughout the country and, and those individuals. So we saw some temporary bumps up. So I think um, we'll start to see some of those seasonal employment trends kind of, kind of start to come into play when we're looking at the holiday seasons, you know, uh, some retail outlets. Um, we saw a little bit of an increase in hospitality. I think more hotels are starting to, you know, open up their doors as cities kind of, uh, you know, peel back some of their social distancing um, uh, mandates in, in place and start to kind of reopen subtly but surely. Um, so, but we are seeing um, quite a bit more activity, but we have some activity coming in on 
the comment section. Um, well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Now, all right. if you were listening to the debate last night, this was a big topic <laughs> yeah. overall, which was, I, you know, I'm going to withhold some of my comments on, <laughs> on what we've, uh, you know, really been seeing in politics over the last uh, several years uh, in terms of debates, but I was entertained nonetheless, even though somewhat disheartened in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Always entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> But so let's hear what some comments. Let's hear some comments. Brandon Briscoe, president of Talon Logistics, says, why or what information shows that PPP loan recipient companies will go out of business as the year of 2020 ends? Would the hotter market not uh, now allow them to regain footing and have rates in place that would help them survive or even thrive? Um, so just on my standpoint, I don't think that just because a company received PPP uh, assistance, they're going to automatically go out of business. But no. I think those companies that were already on the verge of decline or shutting down are going to still be on the verge of shutting down or, or completely going out of business or being acquired um, after they run out of their PPP uh, benefits or recipients. So I don't think that that loan was going to be sufficient to correct uh, a business because I think business and financial practices internally are going to have to be optimized um, in order to kind of keep that business running afloat. I mean, um, bad business is bad business. And um, so I think if if a company was on the verge, I don't think the PPP is going to help them at all, just kind of prolong it. But if they were just needing some assistance and just kind of get through the, the tough times, I think they're going to be A-OK. Well said. Well said. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think anybody, I, we didn't mean to imply that it's going to obviously keep people in business that, uh, that you know, or, you know, put people out of business here during this hot market. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, yeah, I think what you said was exactly spot on. Uh, you know, there's companies out there that need some help going through this challenging or that challenging sector. It's obviously not as challenging anymore. Uh, but then there were those companies that were really, you know, we, we were seeing this capacity just exit the market. And there were right. some really, you know, bad operations out there. They exist, uh, especially in, uh, in any industry. And so the idea is, you know, if the government's going in and, and kind of propping them up uh, artificially, is that going to keep bad business in in the space? Well, yes, it's going to keep it in the space a little bit longer, but it'll then get cleared out or consolidated into a structure that probably operates a little bit better. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's, you know, again, there, the argument was uh, basically saying, is the PPP loan bad for business? Mm. And I think in the short term, I, I don't think anybody really thinks that it was uh, in the long run. Right, yeah. right. And the other one coming from Derek Moore, what about the additional expense of negotiating these mini bids? I suppose that probably preferably to sit on inventory when a carrier rejects the order. So, yeah, there's, there's obviously a ton of cost with mini bids. I yeah. mean, you're talking about some of these companies that, they spend months getting bids together, and now all of a sudden they have to divert their whole process, their system, uh, to a different rate. Uh, that is a tremendous cost, especially the larger the company, the larger the transportation spend, the more effort and energy and resources have to be dumped into constantly re-engineering your freight network right. and your transportation uh, providers. That's not that's not idealistic by any means. So the fact that they're doing it, though, is you know, basically a sign of the times, like how desperate people can get uh, for capacity uh, and how much leverage carriers really do have at this point in time. If these shippers are sitting there devoting an entire department's time that normally takes them months. I mean, you're talking about, you know, in some of these 
hundreds of thousands of dollars of cost in some of these larger companies uh, to get together a mini bid for 90 days just to get a little bit better compliance from your carriers. Right. This market is white hot. I mean, yeah. you're just not, uh, you know, and, and the thought here is I think the mini bid is still worth it in the long run considering the volatility of today's world. I mean, you can't rely on uh, too many things. And, you know, and as you were alluding to with the unemployment thing, if there's still a ton of uncertainty uh, sitting around what's going to happen come January, February, you know, into next year, into 2021, we still have an election uh, to deal with and that whole thing, which, again, has a tremendous impact on the economy. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we're in such an instantaneous world. And I think mm-hmm. that's some of the things that's really kind of having to be felt by, first and foremost, the transportation community. When we look at supply chains, we're looking at how to move goods throughout the country instantaneously, because at any given moment, there can be a sudden spike in a certain uh, region or a certain state or a certain county. And all of a sudden, there's uh, we saw early on with just rushes to the store. I'm hearing talks of some people thinking that there's going to be another grocery store rush in the future. Um, Well, food and beverage, uh, you know, one of the things I want to get into a little bit here is Mm -hmm. the fact that, uh, you know, some of our passport subscribers uh, have access to this information. We look at credit card spending data and analyze it thoroughly. Uh, Andrew Cox, Kevin Hill and the squad over there, JP, John Paul Hampstead on the spot, shout out. Right. Um, you know, help put together a lot of this research over which specific sectors and industries are doing well and which ones are struggling. Yeah. And of course, the food and beverage sector, grocery, has really been one that outperformed in 2020. Yeah. I mean, as of now, we're looking at retail sales just on a monthly basis for October. I'm sorry, for August, um, food and beverages are 9% above the August 2019 level. And um, we're looking at uh, sp- uh, just overall, not just including grocery stores, it's 10%. And of course, um, where we saw some of these double digits growth, we're seeing, seeing, starting to see some deceleration. So as of now, compared to July, it's down 1.2%, which isn't very much compared to how much that acceleration has been up up until this point. And so um, overall, we are seeing some deceleration within overall retail sales, but a lot of areas are holding strong. Yeah. And, and again, food and beverage doesn't like, I mean, we're, it doesn't look like things are going to change enough over the next six to eight months, mm-hmm. at least through winter, uh, to where I would have a lot of concerns over the food and beverage sector. People are going to be inside more uh, as we get into winter again. That's only going to, that may, in my mind, accelerate it. People don't have access to patios anymore, right. uh, restaurants, because it'll be too cold or rainy or whatever it is. Uh, the food and beverage sector to me looks like one of the safest bets for the next six to eight months in my mind. Um, now, uh, a few of the sectors, home improvement has been blowing up lately. Right. And what, what are we thinking? I mean, they're going into their off season here in yeah. the next few months. Retail has its peak season here, November, December, the home improvement side traditionally sees decline in, uh, throughout November, December, and January. Yeah. Um, so on retail sales, we're seeing building material and garden equipment, of course, supplier and dealers, as you mentioned, very, very hot right now, up 15.4% from last year um, and even up 2% from last month. So that increase is still, still kind of moving up. up on a month to month basis. And we are definitely seeing that. And I think 
one of the other things we saw within the macroeconomy was new home sales are now above 2016 levels. And so um, the other thing with that is I think there's around 3, 3.3% month of inventory. So there's definitely a, a shortage, but I think six months is like equilibrium. Okay, there's enough mm-hmm. inventory. So there's definitely a shortage for homes. And one of those things I always mention about, you know, new home sales and existing home sales, all this good stuff is like, when this happens, there's downstream effects. People buy more stuff. They buy new right. appliances, furniture. We talked about this in the spring. Yes. And <laughs> those uh, furnitures, uh, furniture, home sales, retail sales are up 3.8% from August and 2.1% from last month. So Furniture, another sector that's just destroying right now. Yeah, I and think again, that's going to go up even in the winter. I bought a new house yeah. in May. Yeah. And we look to find furniture. You can't. Right. <laughs> it's right. like it's there in the, in the, show, in the uh, warehouse, but not... You, you have to wait six to eight weeks for it. Yeah, and I think the other part is there's probably a lot of delays or backlogs that were in place for some appliances yeah. early on. So I think we're going to be playing catch up with a lot of the appliances. appliances as well. So I think all that's yes. definitely going to add into um, the freight volume um, when we're getting into the last quarter. And that'll also extend into 2021. That is not a seasonal uh, thing. That is, right. we're out of season effectively for right. that, some of that stuff. So, well, we're running up on time. Uh, of course, you, thank you so much for watching. Uh, but also be sure to download the Freightways TV app uh, on podcast players everywhere. Look up Freightonomics or look up Freightcast and get every Freightways podcast. Great quarter guys. What the truck. Put that coffee down. Drilling down. You know, if you can't get enough Dooner, uh, obviously he's all over it. And thank you again uh, for watching the show today. Um, Anthony Smith, pumpkin patch or apple picking? Which apples. One? It's pumpkins. You're apples. ridiculous. Pumpkins Drink are... more water. I can go get apples anytime I want. Yeah, that's the great thing about it.